0: Father, that you allow us to come into your presence. Thank you that you made that possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and allowing us to experience your grace through faith. It is your work, not of works, lest we would boast. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your presence this day. In Jesus' name. you so much. Uh, praise team. Thank you all of you for singing away. And as uh, Doug Lowry Lori said last couple weeks ago, he said, be in the choir and uh, singing. And we appreciate that. So, so grateful for uh, the way you worship and coming together today. And what a good thing. I love you. Good to be a part of your lives. Thank you so much for sharing together and being here today. So how's your daily reading of Proverbs going? Yeah, Good, good. Seven of you. It's going good. Oh, that daily reading we're supposed to be doing, right? Chapter 4 today, right? We're going through Proverbs now. Read the chapter according to the date, the day, and be a part of that. Uh, Join the team if you haven't started. You're not too far behind. Doesn't take much to get caught up. Uh, Chapter 4 today. I went over that this morning. Here's what I've been doing. I have the U version of the Bible on my phone. <clears throat> and so uh, I've been turning to that and getting, putting that app up. And then I've been allowing the narrator to read it. And then I'm reading it and saying out loud with him. So that means three ways I'm trying to put the Word of God into my life. I'm reading it, I'm hearing it, and I'm saying it. And they tell us that those mnemonic devices help out to do that, rather than just going... You understand, right? So put yourself into it. Find a way that works for you. Maybe read it through this month and then go to another version, however you want to do it. But I want to encourage you, get into the Word of God. Wisdom is there. The only wise God we just sang just a few minutes ago has given us to this. So uh, I I want to encourage you, share with me about what you're learning, how valuable and important that is. I appreciate that so much. I'm going to share with you a little bit about um, kind of what I learned. This past week, um, as I saw God working as I've been reading in the various uh, devotionals and, and scriptures I've been reading. First first of all, uh, last Sunday in the, in the Daily Bread, uh, these, and these are available if you don't have a devotional guide or you want to add to it. They're at the tables, the greeting tables as you come in. I loved, this wasn't about wisdom, but this is about what we just got done in Ruth. It was called Love and Lean on God. Last Sunday, August twenty eighth, and about um, this this uh, family who lost a child, and the l- mom is working through it, and she came up with this thought be- that that Ruth is about loving and leaning. Man, it was such a good thought. That's that's what that's what Ruth did to Naomi. She loved her, and then she leaned on her. It was such a good thought. Just found right here as, as we're going through the the daily bread and and thinking about Ruth and reminding us of what we went through. And and then just even, um, let's see, was it yesterday? Yesterday, there was another one on Ruth, rooted in love. I know, again, I know this isn't Proverbs, but you know, this is close enough. (laughs) Just reminding us about what we just went through as we looked at the book of, of Ruth, being rooted in love, how that Ruth came alongside and they they rooted themselves together, Ruth and Naomi, and being a part of each other's lives and Boaz. So I saw God speaking to me in that. Um, On Wednesday, the key verse in the daily bread, maybe you notice this. On Wednesday, well, it's in the other one here, excuse me. (laughs) Wednesday was the 31st still, right? Notice what the key verse was. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Now, we'd have to take some time to unpack that, of course. But there's wisdom, and in, in, in the devotional, uh, Mike Whitmer, who writes this, he quotes um, from 1 Corinthians one thirty. He says this, speaking of Christ, He has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Your pain is your reason to run to Jesus. As we we just sang that. We just sang those words, running to His arms. He knows you and He cares for you. Wisdom. You're seeing this in your daily devotions. You're seeing it in your Word as as you read it. And then on Friday, I was uh, at home. My grandkids were there. A couple of my grandkids were there, and uh, they were listening to an old program called Jungle Jam. Anybody remember Jungle Jam? Focus on the Family. You have missed something if you don't listen to Jungle Jam. You need to look it up. Go to YouTube. It is, it is one of the best produced radio programs from Focus on the Family you could ever listen to. And really, you've got to be an adult to understand it because the jokes are adultish. <laughs> it is so much fun. Gruffy Bear. dum 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 There you go. Yeah, that's right. It's, it is so much fun, and haven't listened, It was in the '90s. It was in the '90s, and we had the whole you know CD package. Remember the CDs? Okay, yeah, okay. Some of us still have us, you know, and um, and uh, they they quoted in with in this session. They quoted Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse fifteen, or they referred to Proverbs thirteen fifteen. I just heard that. Just happened to be there for like two minutes, and I heard that. It's like okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening, Proverbs, that's where we're at. Proverbs 13, 15 says this. It says, good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Isn't that so true? (laughs) Good sense will win you favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. And then just yesterday, I pulled up an article, one of the blogs that I get, and I, I don't know if I've ever read this blog before. I get it every week, but it's kind of one of those that I go delete, delete, because sometimes I don't have time to get to it. And so this day, I, I said, I'm going to look at this today, and here's here's what it said. The, the working title, it was a sermon that this gentleman was putting together. Why the world falls apart is from Jeremiah 4, and he says this, he, this here is his words. When we turn ourselves away from the wisdom God has provided to us, oh, I guess I was supposed to read this today oh, when we turn ourselves away from the wisdom that God has provided for us, both naturally and supernaturally, the result is that we see our world fall apart around us. Boy, yeah, you give an amen to that one, that's for sure. How can you soak up more of God's wisdom and walk in it so that we enjoy the world God intended us for to enjoy? <laughs> you want to know how you could soak up more of God's wisdom? Maybe you read the book of Proverbs with it right? You want to soak up more of God's wisdom, put yourself in a place where wisdom is, so you can hear from the only wise God. Alright, anybody read chapter 4 yet today? You got about 8 or 10 of you. Good job, good start. They're off to a great start, the rest of you are going, I don't know what chapter 4 is all about. It says this, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else because it is the wellspring of life. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Those are some of the verses I remember from that chapter. But grab onto it. Read it. Take the time. Get into the Word, the wisdom of what God has for us in the book of Proverbs because we want to live wisely in God's world. Anybody here don't want to do that? <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to do that. You want to live wisely in God's world, what he has created for us to live wisely for him so that you can be a wise guy. (laughs) I'll use that a lot now. That could be girl too, but we know the phrase is wise guy, right? You're a wise guy. I want you to be a wise guy. I want you to be a wise gal. I want you to be a wise teenager. I want you to be a wise college student. I want you to be a wise child. And that's why we're going through this book. Because the person who's a wise guy or or a wise child is one who is skilled as an expert, is an expert at godly living. That's what Solomon's trying to communicate to us. He's writing I want my sons, I want the people that I relate to, I want them to be a skilled person in godly living. I want them to be an expert in God living, godly living, not just getting by. Not mediocre, not a casual Christian, as we said last week, but somebody who's passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking Him and growing in Him and following Him with everything they've got. And what is it we're supposed to love the Lord our God with? What? Our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. That's not casual Christianity. That's not mediocre Christianity. That's passionate Christianity. And that's what we want for ourselves, that we would be skilled, that we would be an expert Godly living. Not not, not arrogant about it, but but we would do what he wants us to do. So I want to kind of help you again think through the book of Proverbs. Came across this good outline in the Wycliffe Bible commentary, and I want to take some time to take you through the book again. We'll get to Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 in just a moment. I want to take a moment just to, to tell you some things I'm learning, some things I never knew about the book of Proverbs as I'm getting into this study. So we look at the first part and we, we see the, the instruction that gives to us in chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. And then we talk about in chapters 1, 8 and 9 through nine eighteen through through the ninth chapter. All of that is related to what we talked about last week. There is a, a wise woman and there is an evil woman. And in those chapters, God is speaking to us saying, listen to the wise woman. She is wisdom. And don't go the way of the evil woman. She is not wisdom. She is foolishness. That's the, the sense of chapters 1 through chapter 9 as we look at this book. The sense of this contrast of the wise woman, wisdom personified. Wisdom is personified as a woman and against the evil woman, the foolish woman. As we carry on through the book and we get into chapter 10, the outline says, says this. These are Solomon's miscellaneous single verse Proverbs. I'm trying to help you understand as you read, you can see these things and they they stand out to you. Oh, wow, we talked about that. Because in these chapters, chapter 10 through 15, we talked about these, the contrasting Proverbs. It says this, and it gives this instruction, but if you do this, this is what will happen. For instance, 1128 says this, whoever trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever trusts in their riches will fall, but the opposite, the contrast that is there all through chapters 10 through 15. And when you get into chapter 16, the Proverbs become parallel to one another. Luck, uh, can't think of his first name. He was one of a professor at Moody before I got there, wrote this little book. The 66 books of the Bible, and he gives a little outline. And he gives little thoughts about each book. He says this, up to 2216, from chapter 10 to 2216, one verse is used for a proverb. You'll see that. One verse is used for a proverb. But beginning in 2216, oftentimes there's two verses or more to a proverb. So you're going to notice that as you're reading through. You're going to notice that in chapters 10 to the middle of 16, one verse for proverb, and then we get past that, and it spans a little bit. Each proverb expands a little bit more. Like in twenty-two seventeen, it says this: "Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to knowledge. For it would be pleasant with you. It, for it would be pleasant if you keep them within you. If all of them are ready on your lips." That was two verses. Expanding what he's trying to develop and help us to understand about. Wisdom. And then when we go on in chapter 22, verse 17, if you look in your Bible, it probably says the same thing it says probably in mine. It says the sayings, the words of the wise. I'm trying to get here real quick, like top of mind, it says in twenty-two seventeen, 17, it says the words of the wise. And then it says in some of your Bibles, it'll say 30 sayings. 22 20 says this. Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge to make you know what is right and true, that you may give a true answer to those who sent you? Now, this is something I learned from this. I did not realize this, that these 30 sayings are very parallel to 30 sayings that come from Egyptian wisdom. Now, that all truth is God's truth, okay? We know that. But it's interesting that these 30 sayings in their, how they're put together, and some of the sayings mirror what was written by an Egyptian man, and his name is Amen Amenhotep. Well, who knows what his name is, but it's something like that, all right? And he wrote, and he had 30 sayings that were much the same as here. Now, according to one of my study guides, we don't know which one came first. It's quite possible that Solomon's came before his, the Egyptian's. But it's interesting that it parallels a lot of what somebody else has said. And we know this. Wisdom literature is found all over throughout the universe, right? I gave you a number of quotes from various times and various places and various people last week. There's wisdom literature all around us. And so when we look at the passages, though, in Job and in Psalms and in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, the, the the Proverbs books, the ones that give wisdom, the wisdom books. What we notice, and we know about this, is it's not our wisdom, it's not earthly wisdom, it's God's wisdom. And that's what they're trying to help us to understand. We want you to be skilled and expert in godly living. And we will use these things to be able to help you understand how God would work in your life. Because these books incorporate the Lord, the only wise God, in these books. In chapter 24, it'll say in 23, verse 23 in my Bible, it says, more sayings of the wise. Could be from Solomon. We don't know. But there are more sayings from wise, from wisdom to be able to help us. And then we go to chapter 25. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Now, think with me. Solomon lived 950 B.C., somewhere in there. Hezekiah lived around 700 B.C. Hmm. Proverbs of Solomon, and that later, 200 years later, 250 years later, the men of Hezekiah had knowledge of them, had seen them in some way, and they put them together too. So we see that here's what was written about 950, somewhere in there, and here's how the men of Hezekiah edited these or copied these so that they would be for us right here. Interesting, hadn't hadn't noticed that before until I started studying this. What God has for us as these were put together. And then in chapters 30, 31, we have what's called the final Proverbs. We talked about Agar. The name Agar is not found in typical Hebrew fashion. Agar's name does appear, interestingly, in Sabian inscriptions. Sabian was an area of southwest Arabia. It's kind of interesting. this, And and as this one author says, Here's, here's a man, if it's, if it's this man from Sabian, from Southwest Arabia, who writes these, he, fi- he finds it very interesting that some of these Proverbs are, are the most religious of all the Proverbs that are in the book. So maybe this man, maybe this man is somebody, a God-fearer, but he doesn't live in Israel. He's not in that area. But he has wisdom that God has given to him, and therefore... It got picked up and it got put together with these Proverbs. It's interesting as you read that, it talks about an oracle, an oracle, an utterance, or a, um, a prophecy. But it also, interestingly, it, it might be the name of a, a city or an area or a person because it's mentioned in Genesis twenty five fourteen and 1 Chronicles 1, So if it's a place... It would mean in chapter 30, verse 1, the words of Agar, son of Jacob, an oracle. Or it could simply mean that this is the area that he lived in. And it identifies him to this area. The same for Lemuel in chapter 31 and 1. It could be a place. And Massa, when we read these other passages, Massa was a descendant of Ishmael. So we don't know exactly what that word communicates, whether it is an utterance, a prophecy, or it is a place. But it gives us this sense of maybe even coming from a a different area because Lemuel was not one of the kings of Israel or Judah. And so there's wisdom from the outside of God-fearing men and women that are brought into the Proverbs for us to understand what God has for us. And then when you get to chapter 31... In verse 10, it starts off with this beautiful, the virtues of an excellent woman. And when you know, and and probably explain this to you, that that begins, each of those verses begin with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's up on the screen here for you. Go one more. There we go. It didn't come out really well, best picture I could give. But you can see that each of those is a Hebrew letter. Aleph, Beg, Gimel, Dalet, the first four, Okay? And each of those verses begins with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there's going to be 22 verses, because there's 22 Hebrew letters in the alphabet, and it's going to go through. Now, we don't see that, obviously, in our translation, but if you're reading it as I took that picture from my Hebrew Bible, and I can't read my Hebrew Bible, but it says something, right? Oh, I know what it says. It says right here, uh, verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? I can translate that for you, all right? <laughs> but see, just knowing that, that tells you a little bit about what this man was trying to put together. He's hes putting it together in his culture, in his world, this this poetry. He's putting it together. It's so valuable and so important. It doesn't come across to us like it does to the ones who are reading from their Hebrew Bible or knew it from the Hebrew. So, important words. Now, this is, this is somebody making a count. I don't know what version they've used. It might be different in your version. I'm trying to go through, and I, I think I'm through about chapter 10, putting a W for wisdom in, each, in, the, in the outside, uh, in the columns in my Bible, and putting a T for tongue. I started doing that the other day, working through. I want to work through the whole book and put them into this Bible rather than the other Bible I've used in the past. But wise, wisely, wisdom about 119, 120 times. The word instruct or instructions 26 times. And then I found it easy, interesting doing a little bit of Google search, just typing in some things. I came across this article by a name, man named Jim Jim Fleming, and uh, it was his his website is Lightwork.com, and he says there's 139 imperatives in this book, commands in Proverbs, and most have the understood subject of you. That you should do something, right? But 22 have a specific subject, and most are addressed to my son. So he gives some categories of these commands that are here. Again, this helps us to understand how this book is put together. The first is this. There's the father's command to a son to listen to his parents. Here's one of them. In chapter 1, verse 8, as we got started. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Very specific. Hear my son. There's also a father's command to a son to listen to wisdom. Like in chapter 3, verse 21, it says this My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So you've got these commands. That are listen to your parents. You've got these commands that are listened to wisdom, for she has something to tell you. This is really important. And there's also, he calls it specific situation instructions to a son. Like in chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't go that way. My son, if sinners entice you, and guess what? They will. <laughs> they will. Don't go that way. So you've got commands that are given to parent, a son to listen to his parents. You have commands given to listen to wisdom. And you have kind of situational things that the author, Solomon, or the other authors are writing saying, be careful about these things or do these things in this situation. And then there's a fourth area. It's called the third person proverb mentioning parents and a son. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. And the third person, a wise son makes a glad father. Amen? (laughs) A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise son, a wise son makes his father happy and glad, but a foolish son brings sorrow to his mother. So here's his conclusion, Mr. Fleming's conclusion. The most reasonable explanation for the striking presence of these verses is that Proverbs is written as the words of a father training his son and a daughter who is given special attentions in Proverbs 31 in the ways of wisdom. Proverbs is written by a father, Solomon, calling his son to live by wisdom. He says the presence of these verses corroborates, albeit does not but itself prove, my claim that Proverbs, listen, is a parenting resource. I think we can see that. All these commands that are given. These commands, son, listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about. Son, listen to wisdom. The wisdom that God has. The wisdom that's crying out in the street. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Son, in these specific situations... I want you to do this, or don't do this. And then, the general things. What a son does, he a wise son, he brings gladness to a father. But a foolish son or a foolish daughter brings sorrow to a mother. So Mr. Fleming sees this, and I think you can see it too. This is a parenting book. This is a resource for parenting to help parents train their children how to pursue God and to be skilled and to be an expert in godly living. So let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Again, I'm trying to give you a, a broad picture so when you're reading the book, these things come alive to you. You recognize, oh, I have never seen that before because some of these things I tell you right here I have never seen before tell this study. It's been really, as Johnny Dasher would say, fascinating. (laughs) It's fascinating to be able to discover these things and how God has worked through this book to show us these very important things of how to be an expert and be godly and to live godly. Chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now he explains why we should read and apply this book, these thoughts that God has brought to him. So that we know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise, and their riddles. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So why should you read chapter 4 today? Because your pastor says you should. (laughs) No, you should read Proverbs 4 today and Proverbs 5 tomorrow because these are the things Solomon and the other writers want you to know. They want to you, help you to become skilled and an expert in godly living. He says the first thing is this, that you would know wisdom. To know wisdom is to know knowledge, but also the application of it. And when he speaks of wisdom here, obviously he's speaking of moral wisdom or right conduct that honors the Lord. Virtues greater than skills. These are the things. Character is more important than the skills he's trying to get across, and he gives five synonyms for that. Five ways he could describe wisdom and what you're going to learn. He uses instruction. He uses insight. He uses wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. That's really six, but I quoted instruction twice. So he says these are some areas that, if you'll read this book and you'll apply this book, these are things that will be a part of your life. You will be wise. You'll understand instruction. You will be a person of insight. You'll be a person of wise dealing. You'll be a person of righteousness and of justice and equity. If you'll read this book, if you'll apply what is here, you will see these things as a part of your life. Now Unger's Bible Dictionary, Merrill Unger was a uh, Moody's teacher for many years he wrote many years ago, and he said, this introduction of 1 to 7 cautions us against taking the book in a secular sense. This is a book of Christian principles. We know, and I, this is my words, we know man and his moral principles change while the Lord and his biblical principles do not change. Got my Decision Magazine from Billy Graham Organization. Culture may change, but what? God never changes. Man, we know our culture changes, right? (laughs) We see that all around us. It's amazing what all of a sudden has become acceptable, which wasn't acceptable 35 years ago. I mean, you can list a whole bunch of things that weren't acceptable years ago. Even to the common man, they weren't acceptable. But now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, because people say it's all right, it's all right. And God says, no, it's not. No, it's not. Here's what my word says. My word says these things are the right way to go. These things are not the right, the wrong, these things are the wrong way to go. These things are the right way to live. And I know because I I know what's best for you. And I know if you'll follow me and you'll listen to the woman of wisdom, these things will happen for you. They'll be the things that you want to have happen in your life. Our culture changes, but God does not change. Secondly, why read and apply Proverbs? Because it says here, if you will, it will give prudence to the simple. Simple, one author says it's 14 times in this book. And when he talks about somebody simple, he's not talking about intellectually. He's talking about morally. Moral greater than intellectual. Somebody who's simple in the sense of they don't follow what God has for them. And he says that if you read it, knowledge and discretion will be given to the youth in the second part of chapter 4. You'll know these things. You'll have prudence. There'll be good sense to you. There'll be discretion among your life and knowledge and discretion will come even to youth. So you students that are here, you need to be reading Proverbs too. You read it and then go to your mom and dad and say, hey, what you learn in Proverbs today? <laughs> Hold them accountable too. They, that will help them get into the Word of God, right? Take it. Youth, get into the Word of God. Children, get into the Word of God now. This is for you too. You can understand this book. Other parts are difficult to understand. We understand that. But you can understand this book. Why? Because a father writes it to his son to help them to be an expert and skilled in godly living. We don't want God to say of us, we're, we're simpleton. And meaning morally, we're simpleton. We don't have God's principles as a part of our life. third. To increase in learning. Why read and apply the book? To increase in learning. To be skilled in godly living more than the intellectual capabilities. I know learning's important. Maybe you're still in school. Maybe as adults, you're still taking class. It's important and valuable to you. But Solomon wants us to understand it's more important to know what God has for us than these things that are on the outside. They're valuable. They're necessary in life. Yes, but over all that, over all that learning, we want to make sure that we have God's wisdom as we learn what He has for us. You see, we need to be able to hear what is being taught before we can increase in learning. Our ears have to be on have to be open to what he has. John Maxwell said this years ago. He said, it is said that a wise person learns from his mistakes. A wiser one learns from others' mistakes, but the wisest person of all learns from others' successes. Some good thoughts. Maxwell has many wise thoughts that he brings to us that he has sought to take from his work, leadership development, but also from the word of God. So I'd have to say to you, uh, who and what are you listening to for all of us? What are the messages that are coming to us as a part of our life? You know, if if, if we're listening to our friends and and they use these curse words all the time, you know what you're going to learn? Curse words. (laughs) They're going to be a part of your life. If you're listening to people who are giving you the truth from the Word of God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be applying that to your life. It's going to be a part of what you are. You're going to be able to say, those things aren't helpful. They're, they're going to stay with you. All those words I heard growing up, yeah, they're still there. They still they still surface, right? Because we've heard them. They're part. But we, we, can, we can move against those by following what Jesus has for us in his word as we put the Proverbs, as we put these good things into our, our life. Why read and apply Proverbs? so we can obtain guidance in chapter 5, or verse 5. Remember, last week I made this statement. Principles, as you think through Proverbs, principles over promises. Now, I, I wasn't saying there aren't any promises in this book. That's not what I was saying. I said, but as you think about it, think about them as principles rather than promises. But there are promises in this book. They're found here. Here's one of them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Say it with me. And lean not your own understanding. It's up there. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. That's a promise. If you'll do these things, He will make straight your promise. I'm not going to mean that they're not rocky. Not going to mean that they're not hard. That it can mean that you know that He's going to guide us through the hard times. But it's a promise, and there are promises found in here. But think about the principle. What are the principles? What's he trying to develop in our life? And then there are the promises that are here for us. And one of those promises found in this verse is if you'll do these things, he'll give you guidance. Anybody need guidance? (laughs) Yeah? A few of you. Right? We should be going like this. Yeah, I need guidance. (laughs) I need guidance all the time. Lord, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to respond to this situation? How do I help somebody in this situation? All those things that come to us, we all need that. And so Solomon says, then trust in the Lord. Look to Him. Don't don't, don't lean on your own, own understanding. You know, you probably got some good things in here. Of course you do. But just take it to Him. Guide Him. Acknowledge Him. Make Him number one. Pursue Him passionately. Pursue wisdom passionately. And see what He wants to do in your life as the guidance he's going to give for you. You know what? Some of you might just read chapter four today. Oh, and you 10 or 11, you know, you can read it again if you want to today. It'd be all right. (laughs) But you might just read chapter four today and you know what? You're going, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I needed today. It's right there. It's right there. Thank you, Pastor, for forcing me to read chapter 4. <laughs> put yourself there to find guidance for what's before you. And see him work. And put yourself in the daily bread. Put yourself in your various devotional uh, tools so that God can speak to you. And he can show you exactly what you want. he wants you to do in this situation that's before you even today. He'll be faithful to do that for you. Then he says another reason to read and apply would be to understand the words of the wise. Again, understanding communicates more than cognitive ability. Do you remember a couple Sundays back, there was this big tall guy in the pulpit, his name was Doug, <laughs> Doug Laurie. Do you remember that? Anybody here? You shake your head, I need, oh, yeah, Okay. Okay, some of you are here. Do you remember how he explained chapter chapter 5, 17 of Ephesians? Read it to you again. You'll you'll probably understand. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Therefore, don't be foolish, understand what the will of the Lord is. Man, that sounds a lot like a proverb to me, doesn't it? Don't be foolish, but contrast, understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you remember what he said about what that word understanding means? Of course you do. You know, You remember everything we say. I know that. <laughs> he said this, it means that we listen to it and we hear it, and then what do we do with it? We do it. That's what it means to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now we hear it, we process it, we put it into our life, but then we do something with it. We apply it. We make it ours. So Understand, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Hear it, read it. The Bible says numerous times, this is the will of God for you. You can't argue against that. Maybe other places you could go. I'm not sure if that's the will of God, but when God says this is the will of God, you don't you can't argue with that. This is what He wants you to do. This is part of what we should do. And this is what it says here. Understand, so that you might understand. Obtain guidance. That you would understand a proverb and are saying and put it into your life. In other words, we, we hear and do. We listen and apply. We sit and hear it and then we stand and do it. I thought that was kind of good. We sit and hear it and then we stand and do it. That's what it means to understand. Here's what it says in chapter 13, 20 of Proverbs. Whoever walks with the wise, what? Becomes wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Who are you listening to? What are you hearing? Men and women, friends, Scott, walk with the wise walk with the wise. Yeah, do we have a relationship with people who aren't wise and don't know Jesus? Of course we do. But we need to be very very careful about how we walk with them. Because we have a tendency to go that direction. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. And lastly, another reason to fear or to read and apply Proverbs is to fear the Lord. Guess what? <clears throat> you got to come back next Sunday for that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. One of my favorite topics in the book of Proverbs. Matter of fact, I said to you it's seven times. I found it's way more than seven times in the book, and I'm going to work hard this week to find them all as I read through my my Bible, read through the Proverbs, because it's uh, had a lesson I developed many many years ago, forty year over forty years ago that I. That I I love a, a really good lesson for me. I'm going to share that with you next week as we talk about the fear of the Lord. I want to take time now for the Lord's Supper, and being a part of what God has for us. But let me finish out. Let me finish out. I want to go this. Go to the next slide, if you would, there, Julia. Thank you. We gave this prayer last week, and I thought it was significant to to pray it as we go into the to the Lord's Supper here this morning. So would you say this and pray this? with me this morning. Dear Lord, help me pursue you and your wisdom for my life instead of the fleeting things I've been seeking. Amen. Dear Lord, help me to pursue you and your wisdom instead of the fleeting things that I've been seeking. As we come to the Lord's Supper, We pursue Him. This is an opportunity to pursue Him in a very specific, in a way that was commanded for us, to be able to seek Him and to recognize and remember all that He had done for us. Now remember my reminders last week. We gave them to our children and certainly for our adults. This is for believers, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior we should be able to give a clear articulation of our salvation experience. That's important and valuable. So for our children, for anyone here today, if you don't know the Lord, it's fine just to not partake. It's all right. Secondly, I said this. We're supposed to examine ourselves when we come to this table. Is there sin in our life that we need to confess and take to him and admit that we've done wrong? Are there any relationships that we need to put back together, we need to begin to work on and try to put them back together because things have fractured? Are there things that that we're holding on to, those fleeting things we're holding on to that that we need to say, Lord, you know my heart. These things are there. I got to let go of them again because we all got them. We all got those things that we're holding on to and that are difficult for us and are struggles for us. Lord, take them again. I offer them to you because I don't want to hang on to them. I need your help, your grace, your strength to be able to give them back to you. You see, you don't want to take the Lord's Supper unworthily. So I'm going to ask you now, I'm going to ask you to get up and to go and, and get your elements. Again, remember, there's there's two sets of them. I want you to get them and, uh, and take them and then come back to your seat. And I'm going to read First Corinthians chapter 11. So feel free to get up right now and then come back to your seat as you get the elements today. for us, put things together and set them out. Thank you so much for that team. It means a lot to us that you would take that time to do that. Let me just share with you what Paul wrote based on what Jesus commanded at the Last Supper. Paul says, For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, the quietness of this moment, examine yourself. and Take whatever you need to take to the Lord, to him, before we partake and eat the bread and drink the cup. Whiteness of this one. for hearing our prayers thank you Lord for hearing our confession thank you Lord for hearing our praise this day this is a reminder of what you've done for us on the cross your body which was given for us everything that you had you gave just so willingly and we thank you And so we remember your death, but we look forward to your coming as we take this bread and as we eat it together this evening. Jesus for shedding your blood for us to make possible the forgiveness of sin as all through the Old Testament you gave us this picture of the importance of the shedding of blood to relate to you and bring about your help in our lives we thank you we thank you that you have forgiven our sin when we came to you for salvation we thank you that you continue to forgive our sin as we confess our sin and and we make things right with you and you bring about your forgiveness. So Lord, as we drink this cup, we think about your death for us, but we also look forward to your coming again on our behalf. Even so, Lord. beautiful. We are thankful for all that you have done for us. We lift our praise to you now as we conclude this service. Remembering what you've done for us. You've given us your word. You've given us your proverbs to help us to become skilled and expert in godly living, to be drawn close to you, to be pursuing you, to become more like Jesus Christ. And you gave us your death and your burial and resurrection on our behalf. And we thank you so much that you died and you're no longer on the cross. You're no longer in the grave. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for letting us celebrate.